for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Sense something of the dew of heaven just distilling on us, Lord. It's so gentle, yet increasingly powerful. And we pray that you, you'll keep coming to us, Lord, this morning. Your presence upon us would become more realised. Your presence upon us would settle heavily upon us, that we would know we're in the very throne room of heaven, that we are seated with you in heavenly places. That's what your apostle said. And we pray, Lord, as we we come under the reading of your word, the Bible, that you'd breathe on us, Lord, and every heart and mind would be nourished, every worry stilled, and faith would replace fear. Lord, we love you. We love you. We thank you that you've delivered us from a, a formula of worship. We thank you you've delivered us from a liturgy that leaves little room for you. Lord, we thank you you can just come and do something different and it changes the whole course of the meeting. We thank you for these days that we live in. We thank you for the saints that gave their lives for days like this to break the form. We thank you for men and women who died under the flame just to give us the scriptures. Right here in Ashford we think of those martyrs who were burnt at the stake for what we now take for granted and we treat so lightly. Forgive us. So Holy Spirit please nourish us right now. Amen. Okay. Please be seated because I'm going to be seated. I'm going to do something a bit different today. Um, rather than preach, um, I want to do a Bible study with you. Okay. And the river's flowing because somebody's just knocked over a glass of water. I think I might get away with sitting, sitting on my stool here. There we go. It may be because I was down the allotment yesterday morning and I digging and I'm very sore and stiff. <laughs> Can I see the whites of your eyes? Yes, I think I'm, we're okay. That's fine. Fine. Good. The title is uh, Bringing Back the Presence of God on a Cart and it refers to... Um, some scriptures which I'll, I'll quote as I go through. But I thought it'd be helpful just to literally do a Bible study together today. Um, I do pray that you, daily really, that you do Bible studies and uh, you get your Bible out, um, particularly on a Sunday. Um, it was a joy to see, uh, I spoke to somebody this morning, I said, well done for bringing your Bible in and to, to the meeting. And he said, well... I've got a Bible app on my phone, um, but I can't always get a good signal. And I thought, actually, I can always get a good signal with this. And the other thing is, the battery never runs out on this. And not only that, my neighbours often will see me walking out with my Bible as I go in the car. And... um, I just feel that we are talking it through with um, th- this very issue of, of 
actually the, taking the Bible to church with um, a fellow leader in Kent last week. And he said, you know, we're having the same problem in our church. There's less and less people bringing Bibles along to church. I don't want you to feel guilty. I don't want you to feel condemned. <laughs> Let's get this right. <laughs> but um, just, uh, you know, I'll just present that to you. as uh, It's easy to get out of habit, isn't it? It's more convenient to keep the phone. Where, where have you left me Bible, you know? And, um, but I, I, I would say if we can be, if we can retain that good habit of bringing this, um, I think it will do us, only do us good because the reception here is lousy. Sorry. <laughs> and the other thing is, um, if, if, I'm, if, I've got a, if I'm looking at a Bible app on my phone and I see an incoming message, I am just too nosy to check it. Um, I, I, my mind will drift and I'll be searching on Google for something else. And, uh, you know. So, to Samuel... Chapter 6. Father, please help me. I commit to you this reading of the scripture that we may really, really get this. As we set our sails um, to purposely pursue the presence of God, um, we want his presence at the centre in all we do here at GCIN. I felt drawn to this. Verse 1, and David again brought together out of Israel chosen men, 30,000 in all. He and all his men set out from Baal of Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called the name. Isn't that wonderful? The ark of God, which is called the name. The name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim that are on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it to the house of Abinadad, which, is on, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Hio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it. Ahio was walking in front of it, and David and the whole house of Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord, with songs and harps and lyres and tambourines and sistrums and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath was broken out against Uzzah. And to this day this place is called Perez Uzzah. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it aside into the house 
Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Aren't you glad you're not called a Gittite? (laughs) He's a Gittite. The Ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Interesting. King David was told, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the Ark of God. So David went down and brought up the Ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the Ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might, while the entire house of Israel brought up the Ark of the Lord with shouts and, and the sound of trumpets. As the Ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from the window, and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and the fellowship offering, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates and cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites. I mean, it was a party. Both men and women and all the people went to their homes. And when David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today. Sarcasm. Sarcasm. Disrobing in the sight of the slave girls of his servants, as, vulgar, as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone else from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel and I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. Matt Redman would have had a problem had that verse not been written. <laughs> I will celebrate before the Lord, and I will become even more dignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honour. And Michael, Michal, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Now, just a second, 75 second overview. God's ancient people, the Israelites, were unique from any other peoples of the earth. They only were the ones that worshipped the one God. That God revealed himself to them as a provider, a protector, a deliverer, a healer, through various supernatural interventions. That he wanted his presence to dwell among them, so that for their sake they would avoid the trap of spiritual tokenism, but rather enjoyed the ongoing awareness of his being amongst them and all the benefits that that brought. Now, God had instructed Moses, hundreds of years before David, on how to build a mobile worship centre. Basically, it was called a tabernacle, tent. It was a, they would pack it up, move on, and when the, the, the cloud of presence moved on, they, they would move on and follow it. Um, pillar of cloud by day, fire by night. They act, God was teaching them to be a people that listened to him and followed his spirit above natural circumstances. Have you got that? Ever so important. That was, a, that was a message for us today, the church. 
Now, the centre of this tabernacle was what was called the Ark of the Covenant. Indiana Jones, have you all seen it? Yeah. Um, which God had chosen to rest his manifest presence. So his presence throughout the earth, but there was a manifest presence there. That's when we pray, God, let your presence be manifested here today. And some of us will have felt that today. Over time, God's people had disregarded the importance of the ark as being central, his presence. But King David, a man after God's own heart, was determined to have it at the centre of the nation's life and people's daily experience. He knew that in doing so, the nation would be blessed, provided for, delivered, and kept God-centric in people's awareness. Now, there had been a a first attempt um, at that earlier on, uh, before Saul came um, to... To bring the ark back to Israel, it seems to me, I, as you read more into this, people would welcome the presence of God, then get familiarised with it, and, and it went down in their pecking order of importance. And so it was like we must bring back the ark. And so I didn't realise this in, while I was studying this, but there was an early account um, where. The Ark of the Lord had been in Philistine territory seven months. And the Philistines had called the priests and the diviners and said, what shall we do with the Ark? This is an earlier incident, by the way. What shall we do with the Ark? Tell us how we should set it in its place. Interesting. Here's the Philistines knowing there was a presence and a power of God. And God was even at work. God's presence was out there with Philistines. It's amazing. And how many times do you hear... Believers say, unbelievers say, it was a miracle no one was heard. (laughs) Yet here we are, we read that they had an expectation that the supernatural power of God should really be amongst God's people. Philistines, well this is where where the presence of God should be, it should be amongst God's people. And so often God's people put such a low value on hosting and, and aligning themselves to the presence of God, God's not bound. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 24, 25. The Apostle Paul is talking to the church at Corinth. We're going to be preaching through 1 Corinthians um, from September till Christmas, just let you know that. Um, but... There, just what I want to say as a backdrop to this verse, um, where Paul, in this verse, Paul is talking about. Well, let's read it. Um, actually, could somebody read it out for me while I um, keep to my notes? One Corinthians fourteen twenty four to twenty five. If you've got a good strong voice. Thank you. So Paul here is, is picking up this Old Testament theme that the most important thing in the church is for the, 
this presence of God, the Spirit of God, to be so central that the spiritual gifts are operating that the unbelievers coming in will say, wow, God is surely amongst you. The problem is there is a growing trend and it started in America and it's coming here amongst charismatic churches to say that actually it's not really seeker-friendly for for non-Christians to come in to have this sort of um, emphasis. That's best done in community or small groups or community groups in a week. But let's keep the main church meeting more magazine-style and um, and so it's less... um, less offensive to non-Christians. And it's coming over here now, even in charismatic churches. I think there's a danger there. I really do. I think there's a real danger. Um, I was so thrilled to hear of a story, uh, some of the church we're doing, our, our outreach into Park Mall at the moment for, a, um, for seven weeks. I think it's seven weeks, isn't it? Seven weeks? Yeah. And uh, last week, um, I do want to peek Pete uh, Pemberth's prophetic gift and um, Pete we're going through the meeting apparently and Pete just had this prophetic words Tenerife is signi- significant to someone here <laughs> now I'd be thinking I'll, I'll own that word <laughs> I, well, yeah I could, I could lie, realign with that word I, it must be God you're speaking to me rather than camping um, But anyway, Pete came to share this word. He said, um, Tenerife is significant to someone here. And this person said, that's me. And she said, my my father died in Tenerife. It's affected me. And the inference being, God you know. Surely God. I like that. Because God knows everything, doesn't he? And God loves us. I had an email from Dave at the Furniture Project. Thank you, Dave, for that. As I was typing this point, Dave texted, emailed me. He said, Michael came back off of the morning run and said they were asked to pray for a man whom we have contact with. He asked if we could pray for him and his wife who are going through some difficulties. God is at work. We've taken now these guys on the furniture project, they're praying, God be with us wherever we go. This is how it should be. We're a people of his presence. We're not people of his worship service on a Sunday morning. The presence of God is with us. And the more the presence of God is being allowed to, to flow out of us, the more dynamic and fruitful we will be. And more exciting it will be too. I mean, David stripped off to his underplants and dancing around. I mean, I'm not going to stop you doing that because it's biblical. But make sure they're clean. I jest. Then going back to this earlier um, reference um, uh, where the... Um, the Philistines had it. They said, if you return the ark of God of Israel, do not send it back to him without a gift. By all means, send a guilt offering to him. Then you will be healed. <laughs> Hold on a minute. The Philistines are saying, if you handle the presence of God well, there'll be healing. 
How often do we see evidence that there are more unbelievers who have faith for healing than believers? Very rarely, when we pray for unbelievers, do they say no. We should be more on the front foot to pray for our non-Christian friends. So there is always a challenge for us not to be, get religious with our faith in Jesus. In, in Matthew um, 22, verses 28 to 29, um, the Pharisees... Um, let's turn to it, Matthew, Matthew 20, 22... Matthew 22, 28-29. There has been a disagreement on whether there was going to be marriage in the resurrection. Um, between the Sadducees and, and Jesus. And um, Jesus said this. Um, well, it said, Now then, at the resurrection, they asked a question, Whose wife will she be? I'm just coming, coming in at the end of this paragraph, but since all of them were married to her, so they'd set Jesus up with a, a very logical question. And Jesus replied, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. So they didn't know the scriptures well enough and they didn't understand the, and know the power of God. And our prayer is, as a leadership, that as a church we know the scriptures but we also know the power of God. Otherwise, if we just rely on human logic, we'll get into problems. We will get into problems if we allow our, our processing of stuff just to be on a logical basis and not on God speaking. And David knew this. King David knew that. He saw it as a young lad. When he was up in the fields on, on the mountain playing his guitar or whatever it was, the prophet came in, Samuel. Um, he was told to go and anoint the next king and um, Jesse, big Jesse. No, it, wasn't, it was just Jesse, it wasn't it? It was just Jesse. And he had seven sons and he brought them all out before him. Um, he was told to go to the house of Jesse and uh, he went through the whole lot. He said, No, not that one, not that one, not that one, not that one. And they all look fine. He said, have you got another son? He said, yeah, there's a, our youngest one's playing on the mountainside with the sheep. Or playing music on the mountainside, caring for the sheep. Let's get that right. Bring him down. And God said to him, that is the one. You see, he couldn't bring logic into that situation. It was the spirit of God that had to speak through the prophet. So we've got to be a people who hear God day in, day out. There'll be some of, I know for a fact, this is not revelation, I know for a fact that some of you are facing some huge issues in your life at the moment. It's how you respond to that is desperately important. Because God will have something to say to you in your situation. Because he's a kind God. So we've just got to learn to hear God and not take things into our own hands, coming to Uzzah in a minute, 
to resolve the problem. Because if the presence of God, the presence of God within us, and he's in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory, God is in you. If you belong to Jesus Christ, God is in you. Don't mess with me because God is in me, you can say to the devil. God is in me. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That is fact. And two things hit me about this um, in Matthew 22, 28, 29, about the scriptures and the power of God. The Israelites had become ignorant of what God had already said. Because, and actually David became ignorant because he was happy to build a new cart to move the Ark of the Covenant. But if you were to check back in the Old Testament, if you know your Old Testament, God had instructed Moses that only a special group of people were allowed to move the Ark of the Covenant. And not only that, there had been design of, of rings to be put on it, gold rings, and, and the poles were put through it. You can see it in um, Numbers 4.15 and Exodus 25.12-14. And the Ark was meant to be carried on poles. So human flesh didn't touch the Ark. Have you got that? So there was, there was a way of handling the presence of God so that we, they didn't get destroyed. Treat it with reverence. Treat it with reverences. This is a, this is a holy thing. It's a holy thing to have God in us and God amongst us. And it, I have to say, it does worry me, church, when people come in at quarter to ten. Twenty-five to ten as if, oh, well, mate, twenty-five to ten. I just think... I know there are sometimes circumstances, we all have that, yeah? You burn the bacon in the morning, it sets a fire alarm off and stuff like that, and the kids are just pooped just before you... We know that. But in terms of, if we want to host the presence of God here, we need to realise God is amongst us. God is amongst us. And God is, is, look, his eyes are going to and fro across the earth to see whose hearts are towards him. Because you can work... He said of ancient Israel, these people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And one of the practical things that we can demonstrate our devotion to God is to be here on time. Last week, we weren't here on time, and Carl had to cut short his message. That's, that's a consequence of it. Now, this is a mild rebuke, and I can do that because I'm a leader in the church. I can rebuke you in all love but I'm pointing you to, in a very positive way, let us be those who don't treat the presence of God lightly and, and don't become fam- over-familiarised because familiarisation, what is it, breeds contempt. And you see this happening with Uzzah because you, you, if you read that, you find that, um, you read this passage, you'll find that the... Uzzah had, um, had the ark in his dad's house for a few months. He'd become used to it. So when the oxen stumbled, oh, well, I can just reach out and touch it. 
because he didn't know the scriptures nor the power of God. You got it? And he had a home, a, a, an early bus ticket home to be with the Lord. Now these instructions are there for us so that we, could be, we want all the benefits of God being amongst us and being Lord and, and being honoured and glorified because I want to see more people come to know Jesus Christ. I really do. I want to see people have dramatic encounters with God through this church. Because I tell you what, as we learn to focus and, and, and make space for the presence of God today, it was let's speak in tongues, right? Did you feel it? Something happened? As we, the presence of God becomes more real to us, there'll be more supernatural stuff happening that will make you want to jump and dance and leap. There's joy ahead. And David, he couldn't contain it. Yeah. And there'll always be one or two who will say, what were you doing dancing like that? That was not... Ir- yes, it is. <laughs> because I'm, I'm, I'm a heart's passionate for Jesus. But it's a salutary warning that we should not, brothers and sisters, treat God... Don't take for granted, please don't take for granted, who, a, who, who it is who we are coming to worship and his presence amongst us. Because as we prepare ourselves for him to be here on time, God sees it. We're dealing with a king and we're his loyal subjects and we want to have the presence of God on us, don't we? We do. The, the benefits, the benefits. And I'm not saying if you do that, this will happen. I'm saying it's a heart attitude. We are aligning our hearts to say, God, we need you. We're here for you. We're here for you. And you see that what happened here, that as the ark was going along, it passed, it, 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 the oxen stumbled at a threshing floor. Have you noticed that? That's where the incident happened. There are times on our journey, and some of you I know for a fact, are going through a threshing floor experience at the moment. And it's painful. I've been through a very difficult year. I've been through a threshing floor experience. I think as a church, we're going through a threshing floor experience one after another. God is allowing things to happen into our lives. And I'm excited by that. Because Jesus said to Peter, Simon Peter, Simon, 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 it's in Luke 22, 31. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you all, to sift all of you as wheat. So Satan, it would appear from scripture, asked to ask permission to sift us, to give us a hard time. And what's Jesus' response to Simon? I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Because there were things that needed to be sifted out of Simon Peter's life that needed to be gone in, in, in order for him to be able to have the word on his life that would be fulfilled 
Upon this rock I will build my church. And I'm leading differently to how I led last year. Because God had got rid of some stuff that needed to be got rid of. And that's true for all of us. In whatever sphere of life we're in, if, he got, if God sifts that which is not of use to that which, because you cannot plant chaff, you plant wheat and it multiplies. Employment, health, relationships, financial meltdown. Oh, the oxen have stumbled. Where are you? Oh, God, where are you? I've got, I've, your presence is enough to look after your presence. God can look after himself and he can look after you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. His goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That's a promise, church. So we do not need to react to our situations, but rather to respond to God. Uzzah, the name Uzzah means, this is a funny one. Check out the names of some of these people. Goat, strength. Two, it it can either mean human strength or goat strength, but the the composite um, meaning is goat strength. He said, my sheep hear my voice, not my goats. Goats are like a headbutt, don't they? Stupid. (laughs) Don't try and solve this in your own strength, your own intellect, your own abilities. Trust God who is in you, because God in you is greater than your own abilities. The injury that racing cyclists have, is, you can hear Sean O'Kelly speaking on Eurosport, right? Um, oh, he's got a collarbone, right? And what happens is they fall off and they, their reaction is to reach out and they, they snap the collarbone. It's, it's a cyclist accident. And we've got to learn not to react in a fleshly way, if I may say that, because you are a spiritual people, when trouble hits you and when God allows you to be sifted because he wants the chaff gone and the wheat just remaining because God is in you Christ in you, the hope of glory and Uzzah wasn't operating from a place of rest now Jesus modelled this do you remember when his dear friend Jesus had dear friends. Um, one particular house in Bethany um, where Lazarus um, lay dying. News came to him. And he said, um, the disciples, messengers came back and they said, uh, Jesus, your friend is dying. Pressure. Pressure to act out of emotion. Pressure to react, respond out of fear. Pressure to act on peer pressure. And Jesus, it said, he stayed there for four days. And Thomas, good old Thomas, said, Lord, the one you love, he's, he now is, he's dead, and he's now stinking. 
I like the authorised version, he now stinketh. <laughs> because bodies went off pretty quick over there. You know? That's why they bury them the same day. <laughs> By now he stinketh. And Jesus is waiting for what the Holy Spirit's telling him to do. After four days, he resists the pressure to respond, react or respond to human pressure because he says, I only can do what I see the Father doing. He lives by the presence of God, not by the pressure of men. Anusa was like that. He reacted because he thought God was no longer in control. That's a phrase. He reacted because he thought God was no longer in control. Hebrews, so Hebrews 4.10 says this, So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. There is a possibility for you to live in rest even when everything around you is crumbling. The more you and I live in that place of rest, the more we will see the supernatural presence of God and coincidences happening around us. Because God will look after you. Because he delights in faith, while Satan delights in fear. Bill Johnson, um, just listening to something of his this week, and he, he challenges us how we pray. Um, and I've been guilty of this, to pray like this. Lord, please be with us today. He said this, it's not a prayer that he can answer, because he has already said he will never leave us or forsake us. We end up praying for things that war against what he has already promised. Because we fill our hearts and minds with things that actually war against what God has already declared. I will never leave you or forsake you. Let there never be words that come out of my mouth that contradict that. When we become a Christian and the Spirit fills us, we enter a realm of supernatural dimension where we learn new ways of doing life. God starts to reconstruct our thinking, decision-making, realigning our understanding to his ways. God said, I mean, we need to hear this, my ways are not your ways. We do our best, but my ways are not your ways, says the Lord. So we've got to, it seems a pretty smart thing to do to learn, God, what are you saying in this situation? A healthy fear of the Lord is no bad thing. And David, it, it wobbled David. How Uzzah lay there dead. He thought, I, I, I can't do this. I, this is too much, God. If you're going to smoke him. But David, as, as a leader, he was on a, a curve. Leaders are just one step ahead of others. That's all a leader is. Okay. But David saw... After a few months, hold on, the presence of God is blessing Obed-Edom. 
We want the blessing for God's people. I, I, I want, I've got to have the ark. I've got to have the ark of, of, of God's presence in, in Jerusalem because I love the people. And leaders who don't want the presence of God as centre. That's crazy. And the Lord blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that he had. Church, 1 Colossians, Colossians 1, 27 says this, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. He can look after you. He knows, he's not taken by surprise anything that's happening to you at this moment. He knows everything. And he's for you. And he wants you to rest in him. Okay, yeah, we cast our cares upon him. But church, God is with us. And God is sifting us. If it's a prayer to be prayed, Lord, take the chaff out of me so that that which is reproducible remains. Oh, that's a good one, isn't it? That's what from Bill Johnson. That was from, that just came. <laughs> take the chaff away. And, let's what, and let what is reproducible remain. Yeah, but Grandma, we're in a hard time. Yeah, well, so are we. But you lean into God, not away from him. And you will see that he will be faithful to you because he always gives us the victory. As that little meerkat says, simples. Over to you. You're anchoring now. No pressure.